How's the reception been to the mustache? I highlighted it on Annoying. Sunday. Has it? Yeah. Yeah. Probably because of you. Well, yeah. Mentioning it Sunday. Well, it just was <laughs> so prominent on the screen uh, <laughs> that it's. I had to address it. Yeah. Here's the thing. You've been around for, what are you going on? Five years, six years, decade? Yeah, five years. Five years now. Mm-hmm. Never had a mustache. That's a big change because it's a bold statement. So you get up there and you're saying all these announcements and I'm realizing nobody's hearing a thing coming out of his mouth because they're like, they're just, they're like, please, can you tell us why? I think they were more leaned in. <laughs> well, they felt like their coach was giving them advice. Exactly. <laughs> I, wore, <laughs> I wore a Nike jacket. And I'm very, I think you think I'm anti-mustache. I'm, no. pro, I'm pro-mustache. No, I don't think you're anti-mustache. Yeah. It's just the, yeah, the amount of people that came up afterwards. Yeah. Where... You know, I wanted them to actually get something from the communion meditation. Yeah. It was more about the mustache. <laughs> did you do communion? Oh, you had the meditation? Yeah. See, Mark couldn't even tell you were doing communion. Yeah, yeah. Did no, you what do was that? going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you had Is that like what happened? 25 baptisms on Sunday, so <laughs> yeah, you were quite busy <laughs> on Sunday. So you believe uh, that my uh, pre-sermon comments uh, were uh, so potent that they remove the ability for people to focus on uh, the ordinance of communion. It just happens. You know, when we talked, to, <laughs> we talked about Fazoli's on the podcast, yeah, everybody yeah. was commenting yeah. on our podcast. About hey, Fizzoli. there's a Fazoli's over in whatever yeah. part of Ohio you should go to. Um, what else happened? Oh, whenever you talk about like the Burger King deals or pizza. Yeah. People are like, oh yeah, I'm going to go get some pizza. Today. Very relatable stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's it what it is. Them. So they came yeah. up to me and they're like, oh, the mustache was talked about today. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. really zone in on that. Well, I think they're looking for common ground. And, yeah. Uh, that, that was it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find that happens in sermons. Sometimes people come up to me yep. and they will reference maybe uh, something humorous that I said. Yeah. And they're yep. like, that was so good when you said, and then it's the funny thing. Yeah. And they're like, have a great week. <laughs> I'm like, oh, or yeah, I had, I got. Um, I come here for the jokes. Yeah, I've had people say yeah, I come because you know my kids love you because you're funny. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, thank you for that. But I don't know. Well, like on Sunday, uh, you know, Sunday was heavy, heavy duty um, in a lot of ways. It's very simple, straightforward. You yeah. know, one point, one key ingredient for you know, I would say subcategories of ingredients to that key ingredient. But not many groups escaped on Sunday, including myself, likely you guys, if you looked at the key ingredient, you can identify an area where you could, you know, see some growth, uh, what they call an opportunity for growth. Um, but areas where you can in, improve. And so on sermons like that in particular, like the, you know, I don't, you can, it can feel like you're getting yelled at or it can feel like, you know, you're being scolded by, you know, the pastor or, or the, you know, the Bible and, um, but nobody ever really takes it like the, you know, the word of the Lord is convicting me because you're the mouthpiece for it at that point. And so, you know, I tried to lighten things up here and there and, um, you know, intentionally and I always try to be aware of, you know, will those things overshadow the word of the Lord, but they can't like the, the word of the Lord is living. It's active. It's sharper than any double, double-edged sword. And, you know, the silly thing that I might say to try to, you know, just lighten the room a little bit, um, is not, you know, powerful enough. In the, and yeah, also they don't not, hear that. It's not funny enough. <laughs> it's not like I'm funny, but it's just, you know, um, just trying to lighten the room up. And my approach to preaching a lot of times is kind of like swing and then immediately ice, you know, yeah. like you think of a boxer in the ring. Um, my dad used to love boxing, probably still does. 
but I grew up in the Tyson era, like when Tyson was just mowing people down <laughs> and it was incredible to watch. Um, and you know, <clears throat> it seemed if anybody made it past round one, uh, by the end of that round, they were in the corner and they were always putting something on their face, you know, Vaseline, but then they always had like these silver bars, which I found out later, it's like actual silver because silver is a, a, you know, superconductor, I guess. And they get really, really cold. Um, but they've taken some punches and so they're trying to get that inflammation down. And so that's kind of how I view, you know, the humor. And I know you guys do this, you know, in your uh, teaching as well is try to work some of that in, you know, when it's appropriate, you know, because a lot of times when you go through the, the Bible and particularly sermons like this second half of the series where you're looking at real life application of, you know, this is what a healthy Christian should be doing. And then you have to compare yourself to what the scriptures say we should be doing and should be aiming for. And, you know, you, you recognize that you fall short. And so that can be depressing for people. They can feel a sense of guilt. And, you know, that's why I said what I said on Sunday about the difference between guilt and conviction, because, you know, you want that to not lead to shame, but lead to change. And, so trying to throw those things in uh, a little bit. And so much of it is, uh, people have asked me before, again, not that I'm funny, but, uh, you know, I try to work, you know, uh, humor in, because it's just how I am. It's how I am around that. It's how you guys are. You know, we all love to laugh. Yeah. Um, and very little of it is like, none of it's written, you know. As I rehearse through it, you know, sometimes something will pop into my head and I'll keep that in, but a lot of it is just like in the, in the moment. And whatever comes out first service, you know, I just remember and just, uh, you know, add it into the the next two services. Like I don't sit there and I've had people ask me, you you know, do you put, you know, make funny joke here to lighten the room? It's not it at all. You just kind of sense the room a little bit and, you know, um, kind of wait for it. Is that, how do you, how do you guys do it? Cause I mean, you, you know, you're very deliberate with your humor as well. Mark. Um, I, I used to occasionally I would have things that were maybe written or yeah. planned. When but, I, yeah. Same. Um, it's not, not so much anymore. Um, now now it's usually off the cuff if it's it's more reading the room yeah trying to something that i know if i say this it will drive the point home better yep or it'll just make the impact um like the last time i in timothy my preacher earlier i made the the joke about uh not wanting to name the crowd you know about praying for leaders right and i said you know who we don't have kings who do we have we have presidents who's our president and the room went dead silent. Right. Like nobody, nobody moved a muscle. They wouldn't make eye contact with me. Right. And I made the joke, you know, you don't want to say who it is because you don't have to pray for him. Right. And uh, that wasn't. Right. Just off the cuff. That got that, you know, that got a big laugh yeah. because it, but I think it was, it got a laugh because it was an awkward laugh. It was a convicting laugh. Right. Like yeah. they, like they knew I was right. Yeah. But that was off the cuff. Yeah. That wasn't planned. Yeah. A lot of that stuff. Like on Sunday, even during announcements, like you, uh, you, Chad made a joke. Yeah. That people enjoy. Yeah, I shared a story that came to my <laughs> well, I'll make jokes during announcements intentionally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a little easier. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had just had coffee with a friend who went to a church that practiced Common Cup for right. communion. So I just brought that up. I, I didn't even think of it until I almost walked out on the stage for the first service and then kept it in, like yeah. you said. And then for sermons, I, I typically leave more room for it now um, instead of write something in. But... I mean, the last sermon I did in this um, series as well, I wrote in as I was using the 86 Balloon Fest as my analogy (laughs) to talk about how everybody thought this was going to be amazing, uh, and then it was an absolute disaster, pointing to like everybody thought these guys should be in leadership in this church, and then it was a disaster. Right. I just said they were ballooning with arrogance. Like I wrote that in my notes, and I figured that was going to 
be something that I could keep in each service. Right. And, and it worked fine. Yeah. I think that it worked fine. It worked fine. It, worked fine. it, it wasn't worked crazy. <laughs> Nobody. That was good as water farts. fell over laughing. Water farts was a while ago. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah. No, that one was definitely yeah. written in. Highlighted, I, and that's bolded, the thing is I still, I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Like, <laughs> I wasn't, I'm not, I, I'm not anti it, but I'm just still like, I'm trying to, <laughs> I don't know. There's certain things that, what did I say? I mean, I was talking about the, the fake seniors group that I, st- you know, we were going to start called the willows mm-hmm. that it, they get up, you know, for breakfast at 4am. You're going to, your first meeting is going to be at 4am. You know, you're up early because you can't, I said, you can't stop peeing. Like from the stage and I was like, that's basically water farts. Like it's, yeah. And this is part of, you know, and this is what I, you know, have wrestled with over the years is, you know, is it in good taste, you know, cause it's like, well, this is just who I am. Yeah. But who you are, maybe not necessarily who you should be, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so like, I, I wrestle with this stuff sometimes and I want to be, you know, true to the unique uniqueness as i want you guys to as well but within reason and so yeah it's just something that i think you continue to work out and i've had plenty of sermons where it's just deadpan the the entire time like there's nothing there's nothing funny about it but in a sermon like this where you know i'm gonna call out men and say stop you know uh you know letting sports dictate your life and stop getting upset you know neglecting your family because your team lost and stop chasing women and stop playing video games in your basement and stop trying to get all these toys at the sacrifice of everything else like wanting to and to the ladies stop gossiping stop you know feeling you know and doing the same things that you were doing in junior high something like that i'm like yeah you know let's try to lighten it up now that i feel like i need to apologize for god's word but again a lot of it's just reading the room um it's interesting i thought about this sermon this morning i was at an appointment and um you outed yourself for yeah, big time. You know, similar things that you know everybody is um, letting rule their lives. Yeah. Um, so sports had ruled my life for a long time. Yeah. And and I would use a lot of my hours um, to cook to to follow the the teams that I wanted to. And I have this Cavs jacket we've mentioned on this podcast. Yeah. From the Smithsonian. It's been broken out. It's actually in my office right now. It's been broken out for the winter. And I went to this appointment and somebody came up to me and asked what the score of the Cavs game was. And I don't have any access to watch the Browns or Cavs right now. I've yeah. taken that away this this winter. Not that I'm perfect. You know, yeah. there's other things that still rule my life, but that was at least a small step for man. <laughs> a small step for Chad. That is. <laughs> to help me out and, yeah. and focus on the right areas in my growth. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I actually don't know it. I just look good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Everyone, yeah. look how good I look. <laughs> and uh, he gave me an awkward laugh as well. And that's the thing. There's seasons to these things, right? Yeah. Because you say that now, and then in two or three months, whether it's of the Lord, whether it's of your own, you know, sinful desire, you decide to, you know, re-up the subscriptions to yeah. sports channels. Yeah. Dot com. Is that what you use? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. It's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the most notable, at least. <laughs> so uh, you, you redo your login to sportschannels.com. Right. And you start watching sports again that, that you know, maybe that season's done. Maybe yeah. maybe you've learned what I've done. I do this with Instagram all the time. I'll take a week off here. I'll take three months off here. I'll take a couple of days off uh, yeah. of it. You know, I, I enjoy social media. I do like Instagram. I, I've said, I like watching, you know, professional bodybuilding and guitar players and cat videos and animal videos and stuff like that. And, um, 
but I'll notice sometimes like, you know, I'm, I'm spending too much time with, with this. Not that I spend a lot, but you can track that. I saw there was like one day, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where it was like 37 minutes. I was like, 37 minutes of my day, you know, just sitting here doing, doing nothing. And it doesn't seem like a lot of time and it's certainly less than the average, but I'm like, you know, I take a break for a little bit. Um, and so I did, mm-hmm. I took a break for a few days and then, um, you know, got back on. And so I, I do this all the time. Like there's seasons to that stuff. Um, you, are you still off the news for the most part? Or yeah. Have you, yeah. 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 <clears throat> have you had that desire to go back to it at all or have you found it freeing? Um, I mean, I still read headlines. I read enough still just to stay informed, stay informed, but yeah, I don't, I don't check it. It's basically, yeah, different than how it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, there hasn't been a great appeal to go back to it. We just don't realize how much, like how much is put on our shoulders and the burden that we carry because of things like the news that is not meant to be on our shoulders. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know about the problems of the entire world. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Like, not that we can't be empathetic and pray for people and all these things. And, yeah, you know, we've wrestled with that, with, like, you know, the stuff that happened with Russia and Ukraine, the stuff that's happening between Palestine and Israel now. And, um, yeah, it's it's like a <clears throat> hundred years ago, maybe, maybe longer than that, but we we wouldn't have been aware of a lot of what was happening in real time. It would eventually probably make its way to you. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's seasons to these, these things as well. Um, anyways, (laughs) welcome to the atrium. (laughs) This is a hope Christian church podcast. My name is Neil. I'm the lead pastor here at hope Christian church. And you are, I'm Chad. I'm the student pastor and you are, I'm Mark. I'm the adult pastor. Episode 71. Nice. Last episode for the year. Uh, we record on Tuesday. It is December 12th. Next week, we're gearing up for Christmas. The following week after that, it is Christmas, uh, Christmas week, and then New Year's after that. So we will reconvene in January, first part of January. So 70, 71, 71 trips around the sun <laughs> is not how anyone would describe this podcast. It's <laughs> an incorrect description. It's, it's completely false. We have 71 years. <laughs> We've been podcasting. Uh, well, I kind of already recapped what we talked yeah. about on, on Sunday. Uh, Bob is uh, preaching this week on Second Timothy chapter 3. And then uh, Christmas Eve, we'll do a Christmas Eve sermon on Sunday. And that's another joke you made, uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. You're like, which is on the 24th this year, and I, ha- half of the people got it, and then I saw half half of some people leaning to their neighbor looking for the explanation. <laughs> that that literally happened. Well, that that was one I that was off the cuff. I said first service, great, but it's it a great landed. joke. Yeah, oh yeah, and it landed. And so then I, the ego in me, brought it back for the rest. And the yeah. second service, yeah, like everyone was confused. Well, second service, I have said this, and if you come to second service, we love you. We love all our services. We love all our services. <laughs> I know I'm turning into Trump here. <laughs> all, One's better than the next. Right, yeah. Who's your president? Right, all services are great. They're all great. Yeah, but what I found is that first service enjoys, uh, they're a little bit more alive. I think there are early risers, and they I are. think they're the ones that their kids are a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think second service comes in, and they've been wrestling their children. A lot of them are wrestling yeah. their kids all Microphones. morning and they get here. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, they're not quite ready to, 
enjoy themselves you yeah. know they're coming down um but it used to be the opposite it used to be first service was a little bit uh i'll use the word stiff i don't mean it negatively but just you know a little bit more conservative and second service was like yeah. you know here we go and it's switched a little bit and then third service kind of turns back on I, I think they switch back on a little bit they're yeah. well rested they've yeah. got them they got a couple meals in them <laughs> you know, by that point and couple. yeah and the room's not as full third service is not nearly as full and so it feels a little bit more intimate uh as well but yeah uh so so we're doing four christmas eve services we are somebody asked me on sunday which service that i thought would be the least crowded we don't know because know, we've never done this before it's kind of what i said but i i made a guess what did you guess noon yeah, I think that that's always going to be the our... 12 o'clock, yeah. I think that's a good guess. I don't know. We've never done a one thirty. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, and, and part of what we talked about was, you know, it might not be crowded at any service because people may go to another church. You know, they want to go to... a lot. Some people, their tradition is to go to Christmas Eve service, and they want to do that in the evening. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. And I went back and forth. Like, do we delay the whole morning? Do we... <sighs> I, I go back and forth with Christmas a lot because so much of it is just what we've created. Like there's no, there's just no instruction in scripture. Like this is what you do, you know? Yeah. And Jesus was born and every year you guys Christmas get together. Eve in particular, it's completely made up. Completely. Like, you're right. Yeah. And Christmas I mean, it's Day. It's one of my favorite traditions. No, but, I have no really issue is. with it. Yeah. But like, that's yeah. why I don't feel like that. Like last year, Christmas Day was on a Sunday. Yep. And I took heat from people because we didn't have services. And I was very honest with the church. I'm like, we want our staff and our volunteers to, you know, to be at home on Christmas Day. And people were like, it's, you know, you're t uh, some people are upset and you're sending the wrong message. And I'm like, it's not even in the Bible that we're supposed to get together on Christmas Day. And we're going to offer something online. And I know it's not the same. Clearly not the same. I talked about that on Sunday. But I, I don't know. I don't. I don't get too hyped up about these things. At the end of the day, I'm just trying to make the best decision for, for our, you know, the church family, the church body, but also our volunteers and, and you know, the, the staff as as well. So we'll see that that one thirty might be, might be real busy. Not sure. That was a big exhale. Well, last year. <laughs> uh oh. Oh, man, I think he's leaning back. I know you okay. <laughs> last year, is this yeah, how long have you been hanging on to back, whatever? <laughs> no, it, it just brought back the trauma of last year. It like broke Twitter, people arguing over what you should do with the church on Christmas Day. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, amongst other churches, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. across the nation, the whole right. American church was so split and it just got, yeah, they're egregious. Yeah, yeah people, pastors were telling other hostile. Other church members from other churches, they should be leaving their churches and over it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's come it on. Ridiculous. Stay, stay in your lane here a little bit. <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, yeah. especially, and it's the same with, you know, Good Friday is the instruction that we get, you know, uh, remember this. That's what communion is. Remember my, remember my death. Remember yeah. what my sacrifice, but even Easter, like there's no instruction in scripture that we celebrate the resurrection and these things aren't bad. But Easter's turned into a circus in the church, like literally. Yeah. Some of these mega churches have brought in like Cirque du Soleil. Like there, I mean, there's just they're bringing in orchestras, all this kind of stuff. And again, there's nothing prohibited in Scripture, you know, uh, saying that you can't 
do these things, but it's in some sense, it like it becomes a spectacle. And the idea is like, you're going to do this big thing. You draw all these people in <clears throat> and then it's like, yeah, we had 20,000 people at our Easter services. And, and then, but the next week it just goes back to normal. Cause you know, Barnum and Bailey isn't at the church anymore. And you know, you're just serving coffee. You don't have an elephant in, on the stage. And so like, I've always tried, <laughs> Join a boring small group now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, that's why we've never done anything huge here because I'm like, people that are coming in to church that don't normally come into church, like, why don't we represent what the church actually is yeah. and what we actually do? Like, not every Sunday is Circus Sunday. <laughs> like, we just don't, we just yeah. don't do that. Um, you know, every Sunday is getting into the word and, um, I've even wrestled and even over the years have kept, um, you know, Easter, oh man, whether it's Mother's Day or Father's Day, I've, I've preached some just through the series, through some of this stuff. And, um, and I think people meanwhile, and I understand tradition. I don't, I don't want to sound heartless or cold in any way, shape or form. And I, man, we love Christmas. Like I love the season. We put our tree up very early and, you know, we start reading Christmas storybooks at home with Henry, you know, Phil Lettuce and, uh, we, we love it, but like, to get all bent out of shape about it. And again, pastors, yeah, you're right, Chad. I forgot just how volatile that got between people in, I don't know. I was just like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is going to be all right. No matter what happens, yeah. like no, no one's salvation is dependent on that. And let's just say that. That's what it felt like. <laughs> let's just say that God was like, you know what? You guys missed it. Yeah. You should have absolutely, even though I didn't tell you that. You should, you should have just known. It's not the unforgivable sin. Like, let's have grace and mercy for one another. We did what we thought was was best, and that's what we're doing this year. We'll see what happens on, on Christmas Eve. I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. Rachel said to me the other day, she's, she's like, you can, get a, you can get like a nice shirt or something for Christmas Eve, and I was like, let's see what's clean. Let's <laughs> wear this. So. I like the crew neck look, like the just plain, clean, white, Crew neck, crew neck. Those are nice. Yeah, you like those with yeah. the buttons. The I no? just had a white crew neck. I, I yeah. think it was even this past Sunday. Yeah, what did I wear this past Sunday? Yeah, I don't remember. No, this Sunday I had a flannel something or other. Oh yeah, that was yeah. It must have been two Sundays ago. Yeah. But yeah. Like I've been wearing the clean. same three flannel shirts for like five years. <laughs> Rachel's like, can you please? <laughs> she's like, I'm just, you, I don't, and it's not, she's not being materialistic or anything. She's just like, I said, well, what are people thinking? I go, they think I'm not wasting money on clothes at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, oh, maybe I'll go to Target, see what they have. I have, good, I have luck at Old Navy. <laughs> I have good luck at Old Navy. Uh, Circus Sunday is that a, is that the podcast title? I, I liked uh, Barnum and Bailey at church. <laughs> Barnum and Bailey at church. <laughs> so far, that's good. There. Well, let's start digging in. We got three questions. Uh, again, this being our last podcast of the year, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get through all three of these today uh, because we're not gonna be uh, back until January. So the hope is to give you lots of uh, content today. So we'll start with this one, and this one refers back to the Suffer Well sermon series, and um, this was an email exchange I had with somebody. They sent some questions. I was unclear uh, with what they were asking, and then the, this is the follow-up to that. So I'm not going to read all of this because it's not it's not pertinent to uh, what we're going to talk about. Um, 
So I'll just start here. The quick backstory to my previous email is that I was looking into aesthetic arguments and how to handle them as a Christian. I had attempted to discuss my faith with a coworker and found myself unprepared to address what, at least at the time, were a variety of difficult questions. I suspect as a pastor, there is a peculiar balance between being prepared through your own efforts while yet still relying on the Holy Spirit to guide you. For me, spreading the gospel can be tricky in balancing the two. In that moment, it became apparent that I was not sufficiently prepared. So then I was trucking along, taking in all sorts of sermon videos, theology debates, etc., etc., and I was taking notes, poking holes in the arguments, both for and against it, and I was getting a really profound testimony together covering a, a wide swath. Is that swath? I don't use that word, swath of considerations. Uh, but when I came to the question of suffering, I noticed something odd. It was like when you buy a red car and suddenly all of a sudden you, and all of a sudden you start noticing uh, is red cars everywhere. There was this reoccurring message that suffering glorifies God, almost like a catchphrase in video after video. However, there was almost this idea being put forth that God wants us to suffer only to bring himself glory. So imagine then that if I was spreading the gospel to a non-believer, you might see where this would be an odd thing to telegraph, that God is infinite love and yet misery is the primary means to glorify him. And it was like, that's it, period, end of statement. It just is what it is. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait up. Aren't we going to explore the why behind suffering? Like this is absolutely crucial to having a relationship with your creator and appreciating him. So naturally, I found it strangely timed that we began a sermon series on that very topic at the height of my viewing slash reflections on this. Now, just to clarify, I didn't take any issue with the messaging in the sermons, but I guess what I'm asking is, I think, do you believe we run the risk of losing people by not explaining carefully and thoroughly why or how suffering brings us closer to God? And perhaps the second question would be, referring to my previous email, is there anything you would add to it or perhaps take an issue with as a discussion with a non-believer? In the previous email, they had listed um, a, a, a swath of reasons. Stop it. <laughs> Look at me, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of, of reasons. <laughs> what that was played. scripted. <laughs> it, <laughs> the whole thing was an act, guys. Did it hit or no? I'll cut that from Did second you write service. This email? That's right. <laughs> I, I'd intentionally spelled my name wrong at the top <laughs> to throw you all off. <laughs> but they had listed uh, several things that they thought uh, were reasons uh, why God allows suffering, and uh, they sent this to me before I went over. You know, we were had just begun the several sermon series, and so I, I took no issue with uh, the reasons. Their reasonings were sound. So the main question is here. Um, do you believe that we run the risk of losing people by not explaining carefully and thoroughly why and how suffering brings us closer to God? And we've got really two categories, right? There's those that are in the household of faith, and then there are those that, as they talk about in this other paragraph, you know, uh, spreading the gospel to a non-believer. We might see where this would be an odd thing to telegraph that God is infinite love, yet misery is the primary means to glorify him. So let me start there. Uh, that's not where I would start. <laughs> if I'm sharing the gospel message of Christ with somebody, I don't come out of the gate saying, you know, listen, suffering is a part of it. Uh, you get to share in the glories of Christ, you share in the sufferings of Christ. I think when it comes to evangelism, my approach is uh, very simple, right? It's, it's that gospel message, you know, that who Jesus is, you know, who we are, our need for Jesus and what he comes in. And I often communicate that through my own testimony. You see Paul doing that all throughout the New Testament, explaining, re-explaining his testimony. Here's what I was. Here's who Jesus is. When Jesus, when I met Jesus, when Jesus came into my life and gave me faith, 
this is how he changed things. And so I'll often use that as um, a, a means to evangelize. Granted, I don't have much opportunity for evangelism in my life. The majority of the interactions I have are with people. The majority of the discipleship I do is not through conversion. It's through connection. It's, uh, you know, iron sharpening iron. That's the role that I have. And part of what I think our role as pastors in the church is, is to equip Right, Ephesians for God's people to do God's work. What's its work? Matthew twenty nineteen. Go make disciples. And so, <clears throat> I have limited access. I'm not going to have access to the same people that this person has. When I've had opportunity over the years, I certainly take that opportunity. And it comes. Uh, the conversation will will come up often because everybody wants to know where do you work. And when people ask me where I work, naturally I answer Hope Christian Church, and then that starts some type of conversation. But when it comes to uh, spreading the gospel to a non-believer, uh, I would stick to the basics. You know, it's it's not that God's infinite love and yet misery is the primary means to glorify Him. That's not it at all. And I covered a lot of this in the Sufferwell sermon series, and so <clears throat> I think that this listener in particular uh, understands uh, a, a little bit more because as we finished the series out, we talked a, a little bit, we well, talked quite a bit about you know how God uses suffering in our lives to to grow us, to strengthen us, to give us strength of character and hope. Um, you know, this is why we can consider it a, a joyful thing. And this idea that God just feels glorified when we suffer, and we talked about punishment for the purpose of pain and then punishment for the purpose of, of refinement or, or progress in, in the series. <clears throat> God doesn't, you know... Uh, punishes children just for the purpose of, of pain. There's always something he's doing behind the scenes is what the scriptures teach us. And if he used suffering as the means to redeem the sins of the world through his son, Christ, we're going to share in those sufferings. So I think when it comes to evangelism, um, you don't, you don't start, you know, anywhere near this idea of, of suffering. I think that, that, you know, you stick to the, the foundations of the gospel message. Uh, but I guess what I'm asking, they say, is do you believe we run the risk of losing people by not explaining carefully and thoroughly why or not how suffering brings us closer to God? I, the answer to that question, what do you mean by losing people? Like, I, I think what they mean is, you know, people um, who are maybe not Christians, are we going to lose, <clears throat> are they going to lose interest in Christianity, in faith, and following Jesus Christ because suffering is a part of that? And it doesn't matter how you cut the mustard. The answer is no. We don't lose anybody because we don't get anybody. I talked about this on Sunday. Um, you know, I'm very comfortable saying that I believe God gives faith to people. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast. We're going to open it up again today in in some ways. Um, there is nothing in a, a person that is dead in their trespasses that can somehow move and awaken and pursue God and then find God and then make this decision for God. Uh, I see that work as work that only the Holy Spirit can do. And so <clears throat> do we run the risk of losing people by not explaining it carefully? No, people aren't going to lose their salvation uh, and people aren't going to miss out on salvation because you've explained suffering to them. But again, I wouldn't start there. I would start with the, you know, the foundations of you know, who Jesus is, you know, he's the son of God. Why do we need a savior? Here's why we need a savior, you know, recognition of, of sin. Uh, that's, that's that gospel message, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we'll say the foundational gospel. Um, and we've talked about that word gospel, right? Because everything in here is, uh, in a sense, attached to that and is, is gospel. Gospel is good news. And there's a lot of good news in scripture. 
And so very simply, you know, uh, do I think we lose people by not explaining carefully? No, I, I think you can confuse people, you know, and, and we'll say those that are even in the household of faith, um, especially those. Again, evangelism, you don't even start there. You don't you don't go there at all in, in uh, my estimation and what you see in Scripture and just, I don't know, just kind of uh, what I've seen in the world as far as evangelism goes and what the Lord seems to to use. But when it comes to those that are already Christians, yeah, I think you run the risk of confusing people. Excuse me, if you say, okay, you got diagnosed with cancer, uh, God wants you to be miserable, and you're going to suffer. And that's just how it goes, is what it is. Um, yeah, you, you absolutely, and which is why I did a whole series on suffering, like that. what God does through it, there's a purpose behind it. Um, and this is part of the training, right? Because uh, we talked about be prepared, uh, be at peace, and then be patient, those three parts of that Suffer Well sermon series. And this idea of being prepared is training for godliness. Like, you know, it's going to come. So you take it seriously, repetition, you armor up, uh, you're in the word, you're in prayer, and then you don't isolate, never isolate. And that was that uh, acrostic, uh, you know, train. And so I think you can confuse people if you come out of the gate and, you know, especially newer Christians, people that don't have deep roots, uh, they're newer to the faith. If you're just like, well, suffering is just a part of it, just get over it. You know, uh, God will be glorified and he receives glory. Uh, God certainly receives glory from suffering, but he, he doesn't, he does it for his glory, but he also does it for our good because he knows what's, what's good for us. And, but this idea of losing, losing people, if it's, you know, people getting, uh, getting faith, receiving faith, people, you know, getting salvation, we're just not, we're, we're not powerful. And I think God has decided those things. Uh, I, Nothing changed it. I'll go more to find. No, God has decided those things already, and He will use a series of events. He will use the natural things, uh, the the relationships, the Holy Spirit to do that work to get to people uh, how He wants to get to them. And you could sit there and tell somebody all about suffering, and they would have, and they could still give their life to Christ if that's what the Lord has has predetermined for for them. So, yeah, I, I think that would be kind of my initial thoughts on that mark you got thoughts on this i got lots of thoughts go for it <laughs> well talking about i'll start here at the bottom talking about missing out on people like um by not thoroughly explaining suffering no like that's not if we're properly sharing the gospel that's not up to us yeah the risk though is us not properly giving the gospel because yes there is a risk there i think um, you know, like in the nineties, the, the big catchphrase, if you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's the, that's the, the street gospel. Yeah. That's not the gospel. Yeah. Cause when you tell that to somebody and then they tell you, well, my, my spouse just died of cancer after two year battle. What good does that message of God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? What good does that do them? Yeah. So we share, we do share in suffering because we share in Christ's suffering Christ had to suffer for our sins. That is the gospel. Yeah. Christ suffered for our sins. So suffering is, can't be um, extracted from the gospel. Um, it's almost, and, and I think where we churches are failing is, is the prosperity and the health, health and wealth side of it. You know, this is, this is really the gospel that God wants you to be happy and healthy and wealthy. Um, so yes, I think in that way, you can miss out because you're not actually giving the gospel to people. It's confusing. Properly, uh, yeah. properly sharing the gospel. Um, I mean, you look at you look at what Christ said. You know, um, count the cost. 
Like there is a, a there is, I think, an amount of that when you share the gospel that you have to count the cost of what it means to truly follow Christ. Now, to go back up into his question a little bit, where he's talking a little bit about this idea of it appears like that God has set us up to be vessels that just suffer, and we live in misery, and that misery is what's bringing God glory. And I would disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what's bringing God glory. God is being glorified through the suffering, but it's not the suffering itself. It's the redemption from the suffering. Suffering is really the one thing that every religion has to answer. It's really the reason any religion exists, is the problem of suffering. Because we we live in this world, and we live in the human condition, and we suffer. And we need to... We need a reason. We need an explanation for that. And so, you know, we look to supernatural things or reasons beyond ourselves or outside of ourselves. And so what is the answer to suffering? And if, if you look at the Westminster Catechism, the first question is, what is the chief end of man? Mm-hmm. The chief end of man is twofold. First, to glorify God. And second is to enjoy him forever. So it's not to glorify God and be miserable forever. It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So Christianity brings us a solution to suffering. And it's ultimately that God has chosen to suffer himself on our behalf so that we can ultimately live in perfect harmony with God. Ultimately, we can get to a place where we perfectly enjoy God, and through that, that redemption is a way God has, is enabling himself to express his love and his mercy and his grace and show all of his character to us and bring us home to him to be, to be uh, his people and he be our God. And so it's that redemption through the suffering is what's glorifying God. And so when we look at the human condition— and we, we say, we see, yeah, our spouses do die from cancer. Our parents do die. Our kids get in tragic accidents. This world is a horrible place and horrible things happen. But we have the one answer that, that makes sense that will ultimately glorify God and bring us to eternal peace. It's the, and it's, it's the only answer that satisfies. Now we're, we're in the secular age and, and the, the answer has to be in this age now. So and I, I've talked about this a lot, but... The only, the only solution to suffering is our own self-management. And right now it's, it's the government. The government is our, is our savior. More, more programs. We need to social reform, get things perfect here, because that's, that's what we have to do. We have to fix this problem of suffering. So suffering is the design, but why is it the design? Because of mankind's initial rebellion, because of our own sin. We've turned our back to God. And now God, to fix the problem of suffering, has chosen to suffer himself so that we not we won't live in misery. We're in misery now, and even that's debatable as a Christian because we get the first—we already have the first fruits of the, the gifts of the Spirit, and we have glimpses of eternity already in our life with the Holy Spirit working through us. We see things in the church working through the body of Christ that we, we see glimpses of heaven already. Um, we're not we're not just living in abject misery anymore. Um, we have a hope. We talked about that last week, didn't we? Uh, the hope that we have uh, is is that first step out of the suffering and out of the misery. So it's not that we're set up to just be designed and put in this earth and like we're this grand experiment where we sit and suffer. And this suffering is like what God is. He, that's what he's getting out of this. He's really enjoying watching us suffering. He's really enjoying watching 
the work of his son and the will of his will being done through his son so that we might be extricated, we might be redeemed and brought back to him and then enjoy him forever. The second, the second chief end of man. So, but I, I would also agree. I wouldn't, I mean, don't, I, I, I not don't start with suffering, but, um, well, not I, the kind of suffering this person's talking not, about. Not what, yeah, what he's, what he's kind of saying is like, like he's, he used that phrase, um, when you buy a red card and suddenly start seeing red cards everywhere, right, it's like, yeah. like, oh, this is, this is the theme. This yeah. is, this is the big theme of scripture that if you get this, then you get it. I don't, I think he's, I think he's, he's, he's close, but he's got, he's off just a little bit because it's not, the suffering is not the full picture. No. The, the, um, the redemption is the full picture. Um, but I, but I know, I know what he means, like that light bulb moment. And we'll talk about that with Calvinism here in a minute. Yeah. Um, I had that, you know, once you, once the light bulb comes on, you start seeing like, Oh, this is everywhere. Right. Um, well, it's like I talked about when we talked about Adam and Eve, right. And, and somebody said, it kind of seems like, and this was a couple podcasts ago that God set us up for failure, right. Cause why put a tree of knowledge of good and evil? And I said, God doesn't set a, us up for failure. He set us up for rescue. It's, it's the same thing. Like he, he, it's exactly what you're saying. Like God in, enjoys being our rescuer, our redeemer. Yeah. And you've got this problem of sin, which yeah, Adam and Eve, you know, blew it, but God allowed it. Right. So sin comes into the world. God allows it. And he's the only one that could stop it, but he allowed it. And so the only one that can stop it is, is him. And so that's yeah why he sends Christ. Every, every religion has to have an answer to suffering. Yeah. And Christianity is the only religion where God suffers for his people. Every other religion, the solution is that the people suffer for their God and are hope and are deemed worthy. Christianity is, is unique, solely unique, in that God suffered for his people. What do you think, Chad? <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you were on a yeah, you were on a run there. Hey, that was impressive. I like uh, I like that you said and really clarified for the listener that it's not the suffering that is bringing God glory necessarily. It's the yeah. perspective of redemption through the suffering. You see it with yeah. Paul all the time, almost all of his letters. Um, I don't know. Is it the majority that he's in jail? He's in prison. He's uncomfortable. I think it's the majority of his got, letters. Yeah, three prison yeah. But, but then Second Timothy, they don't consider He's prison. never where he wants to be. Yeah. Never I want to come to you. <laughs> my, my travels <laughs> yeah. were delayed. I was trying to get there. Yeah, but, uh. anyway, you slice it. A, ma- a majority of the time, Paul's writing, and he's afflicted. He's yeah. uncomfortable. But he is absolutely giddy about the gospel for the people to whatever church he's writing about. Yeah. That they've received this good news that is the redemption um, for them eternally, ultimately. So they're all going to uniquely go through some type of suffering. But yeah, that's not his first evangelistic point ever. He's not just saying, hey, you're going to suffer with Jesus. He says who Jesus is first. Yeah. If you look at Jesus' ministry, people are following him all the time. Does he have a tight group that's actually following his ministry that he calls disciples? Yeah, but there's tons of people that are listening and on the edge of their seats to hear what he has to say as a teacher all the time. So they meet him. Sometimes they see him perform miracles, but then he always gets to what it truly costs to follow him yeah. as a disciple. That's right. That's not where he starts. 
all these people in crowds and the disciples are in relationship to him, but there's only a few that at the time when he says what the cost is, go on to follow him. Yeah. So it's not that this needs to be in our evangelism where we need to tell people up front, you're going to suffer with Jesus. You should get that naturally in any relationship you're going to step into. In your marriage, in a long-time deep friendship with somebody, um, you're going to have such a relationship with them that you're with them in the good, and you're so with them when things are going rough as a true friend. That's what this is, right? It's meeting Jesus. That's our job is helping people to meet him, the true person of Christ, the true Savior of the world. He's going to let them know what the cost is to follow him personally and uniquely. I think uh, a phrase you use all the time is you don't get to choose how God grinds character into you. <laughs> right, yeah. Everybody's going to go through something different. And it's proprietary. Yeah, it, and we mentioned this um, verse on the podcast a few weeks ago as well. In Romans 5, or a few verses there, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, <clears throat> and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So actually the last verse there where I'll end is what is typically started in evangelism, right? God has come, like you said, wrapped himself up in flesh, nothing else like that. That's unique to Christianity. He's come to us. He's offered himself in a relationship with us to make all things right as our rescuer. That's the gospel. And he beat death, and then also with that beat our sin. And he offers us his righteousness in that as a gift. So now we know God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit if we receive that gift. That's been poured out to us. That makes us giddy like Paul talking about the gospel. But then you go back up, we rejoice when we have suffering. Why? Not because of the suffering, but because we know there's a Redeemer and a Rescuer who's already beaten death and sin. So yeah. ultimately, the the worst enemy we have is is ultimately gone. Yeah. So this is just something temporary. Anything that we go through suffering-wise on this earth, does that take um, a development of our character and walking with God for a lifetime <laughs> to, yeah. to get giddy like Paul does? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. But that's what endurance is. It, it's producing character. That's what hope is. You don't just get hope automatically. Yeah. You have to grow into these things. And, and that's, um, that's what Jesus is going to in a relationship with somebody after you uh, help introduce them to Jesus. It, he's going to be the one that, that yeah. unpacks that for each unique individual that he's saving. So we don't run the risk of losing people by not explaining carefully because he's going to ultimately be the one who who makes that happen and and i really i i actually love the verse where he says like don't worry about what you're gonna say he's yeah. in that in that context it's to a couple disciples who are gonna go speak to uh, a court of people um and he says don't worry about what you're gonna say the spirit's gonna bring to mind what you need to say in that moment yeah i think that does apply to a disciple today like, it definitely does. Absolutely. He's, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. 
But First Peter three fifteen also says, "Be prepared." Be prepared. Oh yeah, that's that's a good point. It, it, he balances it in the question too, and it is a balance. Yes, it is yeah. a balance. It is a balance. You, yeah, you have to. But that's the thing. If you are developing in character and you're walking with Christ, and you're truly being transformed by Him, you're gonna be motivated to be in his word and be prepared yeah i think that's natural but yeah we should definitely clarify that don't just be yeah. like the spirit's got me <laughs> well it's even like <laughs> like situation. today yeah like we're we're prepared to answer these questions but we're also not reading a script we wrote yeah yeah you guys prepped for this <laughs> I, I was not aware i want to read this this is one of the most haunting verses for me uh it's it's you know the conversion of conversion of saul to paul god is talking to uh a disciple of Damascus, his name is Ananias, uh, verse 10 of Acts chapter 9, the Lord said to him in visions to Ananias, here I am, Lord, and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, said Ananias, go, for he is my chosen instrument. He's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Verse 16, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. <laughs> like, I don't know. That verse has always been like haunting to me. Like it was guaranteed right suffering chad like you were saying it's proprietary to the individual yeah. and when you're in, a, in an evangelistic opportunity great to talk about you know physical suffering mental suffering the emotional suffering to start there you're just going to it's just going to confuse the person it's going to confuse the christian it's going to confuse uh you know uh somebody that you're evangelizing <clears throat> potentially again it might not because maybe the spirit's doing all that work behind the scenes but, you know, starting there would just be confused because it is proprietary. Like Paul was going to have to suffer. Paul, why did he have his thorn in the flesh? Because of the surpassing revelations that were given to him. He was given a messenger of Satan to torment him, a thorn in that flesh because of what he what he got. Um, I, I've talked to so many people over the last 14 years in ministry that are like, you know, I don't really feel like I'm suffering. Like I see all these things about suffering. I don't feel like I'm suffering. Uh, I talked to my mom about this. and She'd be fine, you know, me sharing this. But, you know, my mom is uh, healthy. She's in good shape. She's lived a very, um, you know, she certainly had challenges in her in her life, but the Lord has been very good to her. And she has said to me, like, son, I don't feel like I'm suffering for the gospel. And then I see, you know, how, how you and Rachel are suffering and how my sisters, Nikki and Natalie, are suffering. And she's like, and I just haven't experienced that. <laughs> and I said, well, do you, are you sad that we're suffering? <laughs> She's like, it breaks my heart. She's like, I can hear, I'm like, this is your version of suffering. The suffering may not be a direct attack on you, your physical body, your mental state, your emotional state. Mm -hmm. It might be on the people that you love. Mm -hmm. And so to sit down with somebody that you're sharing the gospel message with and saying, listen, you're going to have to suffer. You know, it, we don't even know what that looks like necessary we know it's a guarantee in this world you're going to have trouble um you know take heart i've overcome the world jesus says you know we know that paul's going to suffer we know that we share in suffering of christ uh, but again you know in this particular question you know when it comes to evangelism not not starting there i think is is probably a, a good a good rule of thumb a verse from this sunday bible read 
<laughs> chapter 3, oh. verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yeah. All evil people and imposters will go down from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Ultimately, Christianity addresses suffering in the only correct way. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't start with our suffering. It starts with Christ's suffering. Yeah. It's good. It's about his, not ours. Yeah. In youth group, I'll, I'll add one more thought. In youth group, there was a girl who... Um, we were reading Proverbs, and she saw that um, the despondent person, um, well, the way the ESV reads it is, all the days of the afflicted are evil, mm-hmm. um, but another translation is all the days of the despondent or like the the anxious, those who are having issues in their life. Um, this is what their, their life is like. It, it's almost a feeling of, of evil and despair over your life. Um, but the cheerful cheerful of heart has a continual feast and so she she mentioned that and i'm really having difficulty having a cheerful heart mm-hmm. and she came out and said i've been working out seven days a week and i'm realizing it's because i'm trying to use that to cover up the issues i have internally i'm trying to fix what's going on here and the next verse says better is a, a little with the fear of the lord than great treasure and trouble with it and she said I have a fear of the Lord, and I've been praying for these issues to go away, but it's like he's not listening. Mm. She's like, I have a healthy fear of the Lord, but it doesn't seem to matter. And I said... He's listening. He's just saying no. Well, sure, but I <laughs> but I said, like, when I was five years old, I said, I have a bike, but it had training wheels on it. <laughs> Eventually... As a 31-year-old man, if I'm still riding that bike with training wheels on it, I'm going to get some funny looks. <laughs> Especially with that mustache. And I had, Exactly. <laughs> and I, But I had to grow in how I rode a bike with just the two wheels, right? And it's yeah. like the light bulb went off for her. Yeah. It's, mm. You're given a healthy fear of the Lord. You're given faith. You're given hope, as um, Romans 5 just said that I just read. You're given that, but you... In your part of the relationship, you have to live by the Spirit, as Galatians says. You have to make the choice to grow in the faith that you've been given as a gift. You have to grow in a healthy fear of the Lord. You can't just say, I have a healthy fear of the Lord, but that doesn't seem to be working. (laughs) You grow in a healthy fear of the Lord, and you understand you have a different perspective when you're struggling, when when you have afflictions going on in your life how to respond as a faithful follower of Christ. And that's the thing, too. It's like the fear of the Lord isn't going to produce circumstantial change. Yeah. It, it will change your attitude in the circumstance. That's it. Because you go, well, God's smarter than I am. He's God. He's got a plan. His plan is best. And, you know, I want to be within his will. And so that fear produces the ability to find contentment in the circumstance. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, this is why... I mean, I've tried this a hundred times over the last eight years that we've dealt with stuff. Is like, I'm going to just clean up every part of my life and God will have no choice but to remove all this suffering. And I've never heard the audible voice of the Lord, but I can just imagine him going up there. Hey, hey, dummy, you're supposed to do that anyways. Like, yeah. you're supposed to want to do that. You don't do that so that you get something from me. You do that because you love me. I talked about this on mm-hmm. Sunday when it came to following the rules. Like, we don't... You know, Christianity is about the relationship. It's not about the rules. But if you have a good relationship with the Lord, you will want to follow the rules because you love him, because you fear him. And I use the example of my marriage. Like, it's a rule in marriage. You're not supposed to cheat on people. And I don't not cheat on my wife because that's a rule. 
I don't cheat on my wife because I have a good relationship with her and I love her. Like if I love Christ, I'm going to look at his rules and I'm going to want to fit in those rules. It's just you got this, and we'll get to it next year in Romans 7, right? You got this pesky sin nature that just keeps gnawing away at you um, and leading you to do things that you don't want to do and not letting you do the things that you're supposed to do. And But again, there's almost this, and we'll talk about this next year, like there, there is that thing, sin, that we didn't ask for. And the other thing that we didn't ask for, which is faith, right? God gives that to us. The Holy Spirit, like he's got to take care of the other thing that we didn't ask for. And so we're a part of that. We're in that triangle, so to speak. Um, but it's it's up to the Lord to do that that work, and then he reveals to us how to do that work, and then we can quench the Spirit through the sin of not being obedient to the work that he's leading us to do. Um, and again, we're not talking about, you know, salvific. It can be, though, over time, right? Hebrews tells us, like, if you make a practice of sinning, there's no longer any mercy for those. Like, there's no grace for those things anymore. If you're content in your sin and you don't feel that sense of conviction in your life, that's probably because you don't have the Holy Spirit. Like, you can't continue to live in perpetual, unrepentant sin and and be a Christian. It doesn't work. Uh, the Holy Spirit wouldn't stand for it. It doesn't allow it. It doesn't mean that you don't have your moments. You have your moments, but your moments aren't your standard. Like this, the standard is, you know, that you you resist temptation, that you flee. Like we talked about on Sunday, flee youthful passions. I love that. It was Paul's version of saying, grow up. <laughs> like, what do we do? We're still doing the same things we did when we were immature, when we were spiritually immature, but we know better now. So let's let's grow up. Let's do the right. Let's do the right things. Mark, any other thoughts on this? Uh, I just, as you were talking, and actually throughout this conversation, I've been thinking of you know James one two, the iconic verse. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And what you were saying about uh, that girl and, and and our perspective, you know, that verse says, "Consider it pure joy." Like that's an attitude adjustment. Yeah. When you face good. trials, the verse yep. doesn't say when you face trials, do your best to get out of them or do your best <laughs> to eliminate them or figure out God's, <laughs> God's exit strategy. It yeah. says consider it pure joy. Yeah. It's an, a heart change mm. whenever, whenever uh, you come up against that. Yeah. Um, Which only God can do. And that's the thing. It's like, but we're a part of that process. And this is, this is what makes it so difficult. I think sometimes like to explain this to people, because I, I don't even really understand fully how it how it happens because there's the instruction you consider it pure joy but then God, but then search me oh God no more like give me the desires of my heart Lord your heart God implant your desires in my heart nobody knows how deceitful the heart is like God is the ultimate cardiologist he yeah. he's the only one that can fix the heart yet there's that instruction and so I think it which is another reason why starting there would just be yeah. <laughs> very challenging but it's a hard thing to to reconcile. But I think as you mature as a Christian, you experience that in, in ways. Like I can look back, you know, on areas in my life that where I had a heart of stone, that now I have more of a heart of flesh. Yeah. And I can sit here and I can I can I can excuse it to everything and say, "Well, I'm a dad now," you know, and where this wouldn't you know bother me before. Now you know I've got a kid. Now you know the world here is troublesome to me. And it, but. God uses those natural things to get people to where he wants to get them to yeah. in their own timing. The training wheel thing was was great, Chad. Like, yeah, you still have a bike. 
you know, you got to loosen the wheels a little bit and sometimes you're going to take them off and you're going to fall and God's going to put it back on and be like, mm-hmm. you're not ready. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and when you are learning, he's going to helmet you up. You're going to have all kinds of knee pads and elbow pads and wrist guards because, and that's going to be people around you. That's why yeah. you want to have good uh, a support group Don't around isolate. you. Yeah. Right. Never, never isolate because it can't be, can't be done mm-hmm. alone. Well, how about question two? You legend. That's what your hat says, Chad. Uh, yeah, use my discount code. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. No. Is that a McDonald's shirt that looks like the McDonald's? No, this is a grateful shirt. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, it's got Speaking McDonald's of, colors, and then discount code. <laughs> it, it looks like a McDonald's smile. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's how I look after I eat McDonald's. That's, you want, yeah, they want you to be happy as a Happy Meal right, right. there. I'm loving it. <laughs> Anywho, oh, that's early episodes of the HRM. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I have a swath of jokes prepared. Do we have a meet and greet time? <laughs> <laughs> if you had the last, the early years, celery stalk on the early trips around the sun. Right. <laughs> the early trips around. The sun. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, All right, <laughs> long time listener, fifth time caller. <laughs> Right in. <laughs> uh, in question two. Uh, yeah. Hey guys, this is in response to the Calvinism question from the previous week. First off, <laughs> the previous week, six weeks ago. <laughs> because, six weeks ago, because we were all very sick for a very long time. <laughs> so some time ago. Yeah. Um, first off, I wanted to say that I truly miss you guys. We miss you. Mm. Being at Hope has been the most I've grown in my faith, so much so that I basically question everything I'm told by my new church or any podcast, lecture, devotional, etc., looking for context and biblical evidence. This person moved away from here. So yes. Yeah. They're going to a we, new church. We all know who this person is. Hello, person. Hello, person. <laughs> I haven't had that desire by being at any other church. That being said, my wife and I now attend a Pentecostal church that I do enjoy being at, but I find myself continually digging for context and biblical proof on what exactly the pastor is preaching. I've already wrote in about the pastor telling us that our prayer life needs to be equally mixed between our native tongue and our heavenly language. Other things I wonder about include anointing with oil, which includes the purpose of healing with oil, and other Pentecostal beliefs. It is all foreign to me. My wife knows about my beliefs in what Calvinism teaches, and she calls it heresy. She doesn't want to include herself when I watch the Hope service online, but it isn't something I want to give up. How could I continue to be a part of the Hope Christian Church family and not cause my wife to sin while simultaneously attending a Pentecostal church that I don't feel like I grow in. Um, man, there's a lot. There's I know, a lot there. That, that, there <laughs> in a small paragraph. That question, yeah, it's hmm. it really takes a turn at the end. <laughs> we will all, yeah, we'll all take here. Gather your thoughts. I want to shout this guy out because yeah, go ahead. This please. guy um, months ago. We got called out, or I got called out about watching the Star Trek movies because I was challenged to do that. It was oh, by this. Yes. It was by this listener, and <laughs> I never followed up with him. Uh, I did watch them actually. The original. <laughs> we challenge each other to watch 
he I had never seen the Star Trek movies. He had never seen the Star Wars movies. Mm. So we challenged each other to do that. And he promptly watched all the Star Wars and I promptly forgot. What was his feedback right. on the Star Wars? He enjoyed them, but I think he I think he's remaining a Trekkie. Yeah. And I'm I'm the same. I enjoyed them, but I'm remaining Star Wars. Yeah. Actually I enjoyed the Star Trek movies more than I thought I would. The first one I thought was great. And the Wrath of Khan is good as well. Um, there's one in there about a, a whale and it's, it's, it's rough. Okay. <laughs> like it's, it's like a clearly like, I don't know if anyone has thoughts on that. I'd love to hear from space the listeners. Whales? Yeah. Space whales. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like space it's also, it's like space whales and then they go back in time. And it's like a eco friend. Like a, it's like an earth, like, you know, save the planet message. Like it's, it's from what year? Strange. Uh, what year was this? Well, like they travel back in time to the. No, no, 80s. I mean, what year was the movie made? <laughs> it was made in the eighties. <laughs> when were the space whales? Did it I miss them? Well, it's made in the eighties, but the movie okay. takes place in the future. Okay, but then they go back in time to like the nineteen eighties America. Gotcha. Get two whales from SeaWorld, and I don't want to spoil this for anybody. I don't think, but you I are. also don't want to recommend anybody watch it. It was, it was unreal. Flee youthful. Past. So you would vacation in Star Trek, but you wouldn't move there. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, I actually yeah. enjoyed it a lot. I, I got, I enjoyed it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> when I actually, you said you're going to shout out this person, I thought you were going to say something nice about him. I thought you were going to be no. like, this guy is so faithful I just, uh, and just loves no. the Lord. I, you're like, well, he also, dared also, me to watch Star Trek I really and I did him. it. I really miss him. I wish he were, I, I wish they were still here, but they're, they're living the warm life now. Um, warmer, warmer weather. Uh, I anyway. I, good job for shouting. I'm glad out. to close that loop in my mind anyway. That's yeah. been yeah. open for a long time. Chad, were you able to yeah. collect your thoughts during all that nonsense? So next yes. question. Yeah. <laughs> so next question. Yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, your space whale Star Trek was garbage. <laughs> I wish Merry he, Christmas. I wish, still, I wish I could talk about him just about that, that one because I would love to know his thoughts on that. You know, the telephone can help you with that I, communication. I, we weren't on a on a phone basis. I don't, I, mean, I don't think I have his number. I don't know. All right. Well, next uh, question. Email your or phone next, number. Next week, next I want that question. Yeah. You guys can be pen pals. <laughs> Somebody's got his number. Did you write down Space Whale for a possible... Uh, oh, how could I forget? Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's just there now. <laughs> um, yeah, the, so the, what really sticks out is the... The fact that he's continually digging for context and biblical proof at the church he's at because of the pastor's preaching. And we remember a few podcasts ago him writing in about the pastor telling them to uh, mix together in their prayer life their native tongue and their heavenly language. And he didn't find any biblical proof for that. So I find it difficult that he's enjoying where he's at. And, right, and yeah. It's okay. That's, yeah. And, you know, I get trying to have the mindset that I'm going to be united with my wife in this situation and I'm going to put on this face to to say, you know, I enjoy being here. And maybe you do truly have some some good friends there and um, a small group or whatever it is, but you can't have full... Uh, yeah, you can't have the fullness of enjoying your time. Yeah, if you can feel your growth being stifled. Yeah. If you're not growing in your faith and you're not... And you're constantly uh, having question marks around the preaching at this church... And if the pattern is, well, he's pull, pretty much making things up and pulling things out of context from Scripture, from that example, you know, you've got to mix up your native language and your heavenly language. Yeah, they almost said, like, it's, it should be a ratio, like, you need equal parts, and like, yeah, like a formula. 
then then I can't trust what they're saying in in more. I don't even want to say more, but pretty much every other doctrine there is that you need to teach on soundly. Um, so this is something that's not going to have a solution overnight. I think this is a conversation you've got to have with the wife and and just continually figure out ways uh, in Scripture with, with context to talk about, hey, do we truly know what the Word says about these things? Yeah. Do we really want to be at a church where it seems that they're not teaching these things in a sound way? They're not aiming to be a healthy church. Maybe listen to the Timothy series. Mm. I know she doesn't want to listen to it, but that has nothing to do with Calvinism. <laughs> it's yeah. everything to do with the ingredients of a healthy church and kind of identify, is this where our home church should yeah, be? Sound doctrine's number one. Sound, so, it's, yeah. it's the first thing Paul unpacks to Timothy yeah. in that letter, or those letters. So that's a big thing. Um, maybe also write back to us on what exact heresy she is claiming Calvinism teaches, because I don't know what she believes is heretical there. I, or how she even defines it. Or how you define it. I mean, Calvinism has a robust doctrine of the Trinity, um, yeah. eternally existing in Father, Son, and Spirit. It has a robust doctrine of justification, a robust doctrine of the humanity and divinity of Jesus Christ, a robust yeah. doctrine of, of sin and the atonement for sin, and so on and so forth. So I don't know how you can even define it, as Harris, probably predestination. Is yeah, what she's yeah. Yeah, because Pentecostal churches are, are Arminian, it's, typically. Yeah, they're typically Arminian, yeah. and so you know, it's that you choose God, and that has to do with justification as well. So you know, yeah, talk about that. Um, what does the Bible truly teach on those things? And hopefully, she'll be open to to going down that 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 path with you. Um, yeah, it's tough to to point out exactly what she believes is heresy beyond what we can assume. We can assume that that's the case. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Pentecostal churches do have, in my experience, some have difficulty moving away from things that sound catchy and go along with naming something and claiming it uh, and then trying to actually tie it to scripture Mm. as the anchor. Um, so, so it, perhaps it is a place where you're going, man, this really s- sounds good. <laughs> what's coming out of the mouth from the stage, but I don't really see it in scripture. That's what I see in his question. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's tough for me to understand what she sees as heresy. Um, yeah. when, when it's definitely seeming to me in that one example, there's clear heresy in having a ratio again of, of what to mix into your prayer life. Yeah. Mark, you got thoughts? Yeah, I I mean I, I think I think the answer is you're you're probably looking at finding another church. If you're not uh you, you don't see this church is necessarily teaching scripture sound doctrine. Um you're not you can't respect their authority because they're not doing that, which is appropriate. Um you need to be sitting under godly leaders in the yeah. local context. You and and your your spouse um so you're probably yeah starting that conversation that that would be my that would be my recommendation um i would also just say you know the note about hope christian church and they've moved away but they still want to stay connected to us that that's that's fine but don't you know don't try to don't try to make us your your church 
your your local church. We're a supplement. Don't let us replace your local church. You yeah. need to be plugged into yeah. your local community there, the body of Christ there, where you are physically. Yeah. And yeah, feel free to to write in and participate in the pocket and listen to a sermon and all that. But we're not your elders. We're not your no. we're not your elders anymore. Um, we're just too uh, too far apart physically. <laughs> yeah, just distance and um. Yeah. And you know, I listen to other other pastors and stuff, but you know, I sit under. Uh, I, I'm part of this church. I'm part of Hope Christian Church. This is my context. Yeah. So you need to find a godly church in your context, a godly Bible believing church in your context, and and just go to your wife with all humility and say, "This is what I want for you. I believe this is how God would have me lead our family," and 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 I am. We'll pray she understands. Yeah, this uh, can get real. Um, challenging in a marriage Mm -hmm. uh this this so what i would what i would recommend is um spend like together husband and wife together you've got you know resources the world it's endless resources um and if you want some resources just reach out to us but i mean honestly you could just google a lot of this stuff what what do what do pentecostal what are pentecostal beliefs versus would you say reformed maybe reformed beliefs i mean you can get into some of that but just even if you just study like what what do what do pentecostals believe and write it down you and your wife sit down and you write it down and then you get your bibles and you do exactly what chad mentioned that a lot of these pentecostal churches have trouble doing which is matching up what they teach with what the Bible teaches. I mean, they could even start with what he's listed here. Literally, yeah. Like they, he mentioned three things. Start there. Start there. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a host of things. You'll find some similarities, you know, from Pentecostal churches to a church like Hope, which is, and, sure. and, and, and a Pentecostal is not. It's more of a belief system than a denomination, I would say. Um, there, because even within. Pentecostal is a broader brush. Yeah, it covers a much, lot of denominations. Yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily, um, you know specific and I wouldn't even call it a, a denomination but what you can see across that broad brush of churches uh, that wide spectrum of churches is that it is a belief system that really focuses on ex- ex- experience like you it's experiential like you go in and this may be why he enjoys it because you go in there and you probably can feel pretty good right mm-hmm. um you know a, a lot of times the there's a lot of energy yeah in my experience uh people are there because they want to be there uh and when you are in and health and wealth is attached to a lot of Pentecostal teaching. And so you're there and you're hearing that God wants you to be healthy and God wants you to be wealthy. And people are seeing these, uh, supernatural moves of the Holy spirit. They believe whether it's speaking in tongues or healing or slaying in the spirit, you know, getting a, a word from the Lord. We've all seen the TikTok reels or the Instagram reels of, you know, a church just going bonkers, just dancing. You know, I've seen yeah. this one where <laughs> some guy screams and the whole place just erupts in this dancing. And that that can be enjoyable for some some people. Uh, it's the same reason why, you know, we you do go to the circus because there's a lot of a lot going on. And it seems like, you know, that the Holy Spirit must be moving if all of these things are, are happening. Um, but it really struggles in my experience in some of these Pentecostal churches where they're not really tying these these movements of the Holy Spirit to uh, to Scripture, and it's more about the show than it is 
or or what it what it what it looks like as opposed to what it's supposed to to do. And so, study what is where does it come from? Where 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 did this movement movement even start? Like go back to the origin of it. It's not that old of a, a movement from it's under a hundred years. It's under a hundred years. Like this is still yeah. pretty fresh. Like we went nearly two thousand years without this movement. Like yeah, and uh, and I'm not just. Like those things, we got, we need to be concerned about these things. You know, there is something to be said for things that have been around since Christ walked the earth, and things that have been steadfast through time, things that have lasted. And and when we start coming to conclusions like, uh, you know, you you have to speak in tongues in order to you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues in order to have the the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life. We've just we've just added an unbelievable layer of doctrine to what the scriptures teach and, and it's nowhere to be found. So I would encourage you and your wife together to sit down and and study it. If you and your wife are interested in truth and you ask the Lord to reveal the truth to you, he will reveal the truth. Now, we don't know the timing of it. It might be training wheels for a while. Um, but it's something that you need to do together. Uh, what I can see handwriting on the wall here is that it's possible that, okay, you've got your church, dear, and I've got my my church. Yeah. Um, do we need to reset? Are we okay? No, no, we're no, good. Okay, okay. Um, so we don't want to do that. We don't want it to, to be, right. you know, okay, well, I'll go to church here, and then I'm attending church online. No. You need to find a church, and again, it's the Timothy series, find a church that has sound doctrine, a, a church of prayer, a church of men and women pursuing unity and holiness, a church that is devoted to the reading, teaching, and exhortation of God's Word, a church that is devoted to you know, helping others in the church that have true needs, a church that is, you know, um, has biblically qualified elders and deacons and deaconesses, a church of sound doctrine, and then as healthy Christians, we are people that, and you would see this in the church, if a church is filled with healthy Christians, these people are going to be using their gifts to, to serve the Lord, and, and you're going to see that in, in the church. And like we talked about this this week, like you're going to see a church that is grown up, they're staying focused, they're following the rules, and they're they're working hard. Like, look at these ingredients and go, does this church meet these, these things? And if uh, your wife would be willing to you know, listen to the Timothy sermon series, I think that would be helpful. But this is something that you need to do together. The other thing that I would say is uh, if you're not making any ground there, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. There's nothing wrong with sitting down with a, a Christian counselor. And this is a very normal thing uh, that we see in marriages where there's a disagreement on matters of, of faith and practice. And so you sit down with a Christian counselor. What you don't want this to do is to drive a wedge between you and your wife. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, you can step back and and read God's word and and you know go, okay, well, this is what's true and what's right. But you don't want to do that outside of your wife, and you don't want your wife to do that outside of you. It's good that you feel the way that you do. Uh, we're in line uh, with with what you believe. Um, and but the two are one flesh, so it's very easy for the enemy to try to you know drive yeah. that wedge and your own sin nature to drive that wedge, and it also get just very tense and cause a lot of division because you know you can start to argue. And so I would just sit down and go, listen, do we want to be a part of a Pentecostal church? I don't think you do. <laughs> I know you don't. Um, there's there's too much uh, that doesn't line up with scripture. He said enough in this email. He does like right. Tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so. Uh, but that needs to be a decision that you you make together.
Can I also add this? You can. Um, I want to tie this back to a couple weeks ago when we talked about what does it look like for a woman to submit to her husband. Yeah. Because we talked, and we talked, that episode we talked a lot about how men have failed, um, but there's also the risk of the woman sinning and failing to submit. Yeah. That is, it's not, it's not just up to the man to lead well, because I mean, this situation, if he humbly goes to her and is exploring and asking of God what is best for his family, he, he, from this and what he's told us, he seems like he's trying to lead his family in a godly way. And there's a risk here for his wife to fail to submit to that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, not that it's an out ever an out that you have, that you don't have to submit to your husband because he's not good enough or he hasn't met your standard. Um, but we are all, we are, the woman is called to submit to a, the godly husband. And, um, I don't know if she listens to this or not, and I'm not trying to condemn her or convict her or anything, no. but um, it, it seems like he's trying to lead his family in a godly way, and that is orderly according to God's design. And that's why I said I, I wouldn't let this go on too long. Make your list. You know, if you don't see the progress that that needs to be made, then you reach out and you get some counseling, you get some help. Um, you know, uh, something that uh, or somebody that has the foundation of. Um, you know, believing in God's word, Christian counseling is certainly the way to go, especially a, a matter like this. Uh, I will address really quickly because they say uh, other things I wonder about, including anointing with oil, which includes mm-hmm. the purpose of healing with oil and other Pentecostal beliefs. Um, uh, anointing with oil is, I mean, it, it goes back all, all the way to the Old Testament. It was the consecrating of things and setting them apart. Um you know, I've anointed that. That is not a uniquely Pentecostal thing. Uh, I've anointed people with oil. I've anointed my son with oil and prayed for him. Um, we've had people come in, and the elders have laid hands on them. You see that in the New Testament, anointing uh, you know them with oil and praying for them. And so, there's no magic in the oil uh, in any way, shape, or form. It's not. And healing again is not a, a Pentecostal, yeah. unique Pentecostal thing. Um, I've experienced and seen healing. Uh, you know, in my own life, uh, I've, I've prayed for people and I've, I've seen them healed like in, in the immediate. Um, that's a spiritual gift. We don't believe, I don't believe, I don't think any of us believe that the gifts are have ceased. We're not cessationists. We think they're wildly abused. And I think a lot of that abuse you see in the Pentecostal church, um, they become boxes that you check instead of <laughs> gifts that are given. Uh, you, you manifest these things. Um, so again, if, if you too study these things, uh, I think you'll get some some clear answers, um, and again, just continue to, um, you know, reach out. and And we're here for you. I mean, as much as we can be. You know, again, we're many miles apart, um, but we're here helping any way that we can. Got time for one more? Let's do it. As we wrap up this special Christmas episode of the Atrium. <laughs> do you know why we celebrate Christmas in December? Uh, it means book. <laughs> That was last week's answer. Oh, dog on it. Yeah. <laughs> because I, of the Gregorian calendar, right? Because it's nine months after Easter. Tradition oh. said that Christ but that's was what, but it, conceived right. after. Yeah. But it would have been October or something before the Gregorian calendar. Would have been nine months. No, because April was the first month. Oh, okay. On the former calendar. When What month do you think Jesus was born? What month do you think Jesus was born? That's what I thought it was. I thought it was October. Based on festivals and stuff. Yeah, I don't do? know. Yeah. I never thought that much. I mean, the tradition is that Christ, they say Christ was conceived around the same time he was crucified. 
mm. which is not from scripture. It's from tradition. Yeah. So with him being crucified at Passover, right. and been conceived at Passover, nine months after Passover would be December. So that's why we celebrate in December. I think he was born May 15th. I'm sure that's not true. It's, it's my birthday. <laughs> I think I share a birthday with Jesus. I was born one month after Jesus. Oh, were you? Yeah. August was added in and something else. <laughs> it's true. Jay, I can't get off the Jay's calendar. still trying to do the math. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm tr- I am trying to do the math. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with there that. There were two Roman emperors that added months, right? Right. Because December means what? December uh, the, means the 10th yeah. month. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's not, it's the 12th. That's what I mean. October means the 8th. It used yeah. to be the 10th. Right. Oh, I, yeah. I wasn't looking at you. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You're not a part of this, Neil. Mustache Chad is sassy. <laughs> Mustache Chad. I looking at you. <laughs> I was just equal and opposite sass reaction. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be trying to fall asleep tonight and you're going to be like, but August was added in. <laughs> Liz, wake up. Eureka, I found it. <laughs> That's good. Mark's always got sassy trivia. Yeah. That's good trivia. All right. Last question. In Genesis 32, the story of Jacob wrestling with God, Jacob states in verse 30 that he has seen God face to face but in John 1.18, it states that no one has ever seen God. Could you explain these two verses? All right. So let's, uh, well, let me, we'll just go to John 1. So, yeah. So in Genesis 32, we get the story of Jacob wrestling with an angel. And uh, he wrestles all night and then daybreak comes and, the angel says, let me go, Jacob. And Jacob says, no, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And he says, what's your name? He says, my name's Jacob. He said, no, now your name's going to be Israel. Um, and then we're told that Jacob says, well, Jacob says, I've seen God face to face. So what's really going on? Because in John 1, 18, it says this, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the father's side, he has made him known. So what's the deal? Have people seen God or have they not seen God? The, the topic here is what's called theophany. Mm. Theophany is... What's the deal with theophany? <laughs> what's the deal with theophany? <laughs> That's basically this question. It was a popular Jewish board game. <laughs> In the Old Testament. <laughs> theophany. Roll the dice and see who wins. <laughs> So theophany is this idea of God appearing to man or making a manifestation of God to man. And theophany is is an Old Testament thing. We see actually a ton of instances in the Old Testament of God appearing to man in different ways. And this is is one of them here with uh, Jacob wrestling with God. Um, Now, the second part of his question here. Some theorize that Jesus was the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32. It's also believed that Jesus could be the one appearing to Hagar in Genesis 16. Do you believe that this is Jesus appearing as the angel of the Lord in both instances? So, More than twice in the Old Testament, for sure. Many more times than twice. Uh, There's different kinds of theophany, even. Um, You think of the burning bush. That was God appearing to Moses uh, in the form of a bush. We think of the pillar and the the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Israelites, that's God appearing as a pillar of cloud and fire. That's a theophany, God appearing. Um, 
Now, God also appears uh, as uh, visions. We think of Isaiah 6. Isaiah had a vision of the Lord. Ezekiel had a vision of the Lord. Uh, Balaam, who, uh, you know, self-righteous Balaam had a vision of the Lord. Uh, so they saw God in some way. We don't know exactly. Like, we get descriptions, these kind of wild, vivid descriptions with a lot of vivid language of what they might have seen. Uh, but we don't know exactly what they saw. We know Jacob saw, or Jacob wrestled with what appeared to be a man. And so that's another kind of theophany, God appearing in the form of a man. We see that with uh, Abraham. Um, and then with Hagar as well, as he said in Genesis 16. And he also brings up this term, the angel of the Lord. And this this term, the angel of the Lord, is a highly discussed and used in several places, a phrase in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord, because there's times where it seems like the angel of the Lord is this messenger sent from God to deliver a message or do, you know, deliver news. And But there's other times where angel of the Lord, that phrase, seems to be referring to God himself. In the, in the story of Samson's parents, Manoah and Manoah's spouse. Miss um, Noah. <laughs> Woman Noah. Woman Noah. Manoah and Woman Noah. Right. I don't think we get Manoah's name. <laughs> but um, Manoah's spouse works. How many times? But the angel of the Lord comes to Samson's parents and... You can read that whole story in Judges 13. Um, but then the the um, the angel goes away, and then the Manoah and... <laughs> woman Noah. And woman Noah. <laughs> woman Noah. <laughs> they're, they're, it's one of the characters in the fearful. board game Theophany. <laughs> they're fearful because they, they said, we just saw God, we're going to die. So they are... They, they believe they've just seen God face to face. And... It's the same with Hagar. Throughout the, the the narrative of Hagar in Genesis 16, she believes that she has seen God when she sees the angel of the Lord, um, and and the narrative there seems to support that. It doesn't it doesn't correct her, her her interpretation. So it seems like Hagar has seen God. So we have to look at this phrase, the angel of the Lord, because there are other times where this phrase is used where it's not God. Uh, Haggai is a prophet in the book of Haggai. And uh, he's called the messenger of the Lord. And in the Hebrew, that's the same, it's the same words, because angel means messenger. And Haggai, Haggai is not divine. So this phrase, the angel of the Lord, sometimes will actually mean God, sometimes will not mean God. Um, it, it depends on the context. Now, how do we reconcile this with John 1.18? It says, no one has ever seen God, and yet we have all these stories we have Moses uh, on Mount Sinai asking to see God's glory. We have uh, Moses uh, actually in Exodus 24. I want to read this because this is this is the one that always got me. When you read something that, you know, like John 1, it says no one has ever seen God. Exodus 24, verse 9. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. So up on Mount Sinai, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, 70 dollars go up and says they, they saw God. 
what does that mean? And then we get a, a little description there, like one of those vivid descriptions of what they were seeing. They're seeing a theophany. They're seeing a manifestation of God showing himself to his people. We, again, see that through the bush, the burning bush. We see that through all kinds of these representations of God showing himself to people. Now, God is not showing his true self to any of these people. Yeah. How do we know that? We know that because in John 4, and just a couple chapters after John 1, Jesus is going to say, God is spirit. And that means God is invisible. Colossians 1 says Jesus is the imprint of the invisible God. God is spirit and God is invisible. So you can't see him. It means he doesn't have a face. So when we get this language and things like they saw God, they saw God face to face, we're seeing a, a, an instance of a theophany. It is God. It's God manifesting himself to be shown to his people. And what's the purpose of this? It says, some theorize that Jesus was the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32. So we have to look at the reason for these theophanies, the reason that, that we see this throughout the Old Testament and why we don't see it in the New Testament. Um, because all of this is one story and all of these theophanies are pointing to what God is doing. This is pointing to God's presence among his people and it's pointing to the New Testament. The Old Testament is pointing to the New Testament. The New Testament explains the Old Testament. And all of these theophanies are telling us about Jesus. So what was the name Christ was given in Isaiah 7? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. These theophanies are little glimpses of God being with us, literally being with us, just like the, the tabernacle and the temple system was a representation of God being with us. These theophanies are representations that God is among his people and active and concerned and cares for and is involved with his people. So when we see him wrestling with Jacob and we see him appearing to Hagar, we see him appearing, perhaps the greatest theophany is Mount Sinai, when he comes down in thunder and clouds and, and smoke and lightning and this tremendous power. Um, he is making his presence known that God, he is with us. And it happens in many forms. So people will go and say, you know, was this Jesus? Uh, a typical example of this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three go in, four are in the in the fire. Who was the fourth person? Was it Jesus? Yes and no, <laughs> I would say. Uh, yes, it, I believe it was God. I believe that was a theophany as well. All of these theophanies are God and, and a divine presence. Um, are they the Son? I, I believe they are. Are they Jesus? Not in, They are not the incarnate Jesus. Yeah. So this is still prior to the incarnation of God prior to Christmas, prior to Jesus coming and be, being made flesh. But it is still the Son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, doing the will of the Father. So these theophanies are, are Trinitarian events uh, that we're seeing throughout the Old Testament that's kind of foreshadowing what's to come. So is it is it the Son? Was Jesus the angel of the Lord? Yes, and, and the Father and the Spirit. Yeah. Um, because he takes the form of a man in in Genesis 16, or when he's the angel of the Lord, maybe, but he, I, like I said, he also takes the form of a burning bush or uh, other things to, to make his presence known. David in the Psalms talks about um, thunder in almost a, a theophonic way. I don't know if that's a word, but like, <laughs> I'll buy it where he, where God is, God is there in the I'll thunder. 
like Divine Thunder. That's a pretty cool thing about. So we get to John 1. Divine Thunder. That's a good band name. Yeah. <laughs> so is Theophonic. I'm, I'm theophonic defined. Yeah. Theophonic, theophonic they thunder. don't use instruments. It's just voices. It's just thunder. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. They just harmonize. Mm. Theo, so theophonic. now we get to John 1. And John 1 is the most beautiful poem ever written. And we get to verse 18. <clears throat> and and John is bringing all of this to a close. And he's explaining all of these theophanies in this one verse. No one has ever seen God. So when Isaiah went up to the vision to see God, he saw a vision of God, but he didn't truly see God's face. And even in, even in Genesis 28, Jacob had already had a vision where he saw God at the top of Jacob's ladder. If you read that account, you see he saw the Lord at the top in heaven. So he even had a vision of God already. But verse 18 here in John 1 says, no one has ever seen God, ever, has ever seen God. Because he's spirit, he's invisible, and to see truly see his glory, you would die. The, now, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So it's a little poetic language, but yeah. it's saying the only God, referring to Jesus, he, who is at the Father's side, the Father as God, the only God, Jesus as God at the Father's side, he has made him known. So Jesus has come as God and is God, and is now at God's side. Very Trinitarian language, but saying that Christ is, in a way, the final theophany, the final appearing. Mm -hmm. And we get this picture of, that's what, well, that's why there's no more in the New Testament. That's right. why we get no more... Angel of the Lord shows up. Yeah, that's why we don't get any more of these, because now God is permanently in the flesh with Christ and at the Father's side. Christ didn't come to earth and, and become flesh, and then when he died or ascended, he lost his body, and it was, you know, that hypostatic union was disconnected. He's now at the Father's side in a, in a physical way, physically and spiritually, as an example of what we will go through, but that is the ultimate representation of what all these theophanies are showing, are pointing to. And then the, the final... The final theophany, I guess you you might you could make the case for, is that Christ will come again. Uh, Christ is now Emmanuel in the sense that he's with us through his Holy Spirit uh, constantly. Every believer has that 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 constant presence of the Holy Spirit. But then we get the final case of Christ coming um, coming on the clouds in power for the for the for the end times, and then in Revelation twenty two. One of the last promises that we we see, verse uh, Revelation twenty two, the last chapter of the Bible, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with the describing heaven, the that beautiful city, our our destiny. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, and it says they will see his face. That's the last one of the last promises we get, that we will see the face of God. So what is started here in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God. Jesus has seen God in his glorified state, and because of that, our perishable bodies can be made imperishable to be able to see the face of God as well. The God that lives in, in a in approach, unapproachable light, that lives in marvelous glory, 
Uh, we will one day be able to, to be by his side just as Christ is, and one day we will get to see him face to face. So, so yes, then uh, theophany. <laughs> there it is. Yes, then. Do you believe that Jesus appearing in the end of the Lord in both instances? Yes. yes. And no. <laughs> yeah, that was great, Mark. Yes and no. Yeah. Yes and no. Yes and no. Pre-incarnate <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's pre-incarnate Christ. Yeah. There's the Gospel of John, uh, in which we get that um, verse John one eighteen, and then there's three letters of John. First John. 4.12 also says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are the imprint of the imprint right yeah. now until Revelation 22. Right. Uh, you also brought to mind in Acts 7, I believe it is, Stephen. Uh, pretty much right off the top of the hat, just goes through the entire Old Testament story, <laughs> yeah. the whole you know story of, of Israel, and then lead, it leads up to Jesus basically being the final theophany. Yeah, Jesus being the Savior that they crucified, and then everybody gets in an uproar about it, and literally being the imprint of the imprint. Stephen has a story that looks eerily similar to Jesus going to the cross. His suffering is to be stoned. Yeah. to death as a mart as the first martyr. And as that is about to happen, the skies open and he see- receives a vision of seeing Jesus giving him a standing ovation. Yeah. Seeing the final theophany giving him a, st- a standing ovation as yeah. he goes through a very similar death uh, or series of of uh, events yeah. leading to his death. Yeah. So yeah, the answer is yes. Yeah. Would, now it's pre-incarnate Christ. Yes, right. let's make that distinction. It's not Christ like going back in time as as a human, as a person in the flesh, as he was on this earth, like being in the furnace. It's it's a pre-incarnate. It's Christ as he existed in, in eternity past. Yeah, manifesting himself in these different instances. That's what a lot of people theorize. Yeah, yeah. Well. It's super interesting because I mean, like. Um, yeah, like you know, you read the like the story with Abraham and the three three angels that that come that are on their way to to Sodom. Like, it's all very mysterious language. You have to look at the context. I, I think that yeah, the better question with like Jacob and wrestling God is is what kind of shape was Jacob in? <laughs> like to be able to? I mean, that to me. To me, that's one of the hardest to understand stories Same. of the whole Old Testament. Like people, like even some of the, like, like, like I, he's pinning him. He's like, he's what, 98, 100 years old at this point? But even like, I, wrestle I with yeah, like, what's that? You wrestle with Henry? Yeah. And you let him win? Uh, let him pin you? Well, no. Well, then, okay, never mind. Do you yeah. wrestle with Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you let him win? No. What is wrong, you guys? You don't let them win. Any good dads out there, let your kids <laughs> win. Raise them tough. That's how, it, that's how it seems to me. I'm not raising a flower here, Chad. <laughs> I'm raising a little man. I want him to be strong. No, I understand the mechanics of it, obviously, yeah. but the whole it's not it's not the fact that. And I was making a joke about Jacob's uh, training and conditioning. <laughs> In jest, right? <laughs> he ate a lot of quail. Um, <laughs> A lot of space whale. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know about the Daniel diet. What was Jacob eating? <laughs> right, right, right. What was this guy putting in his body? Um, but just the whole purpose of it. It's just such an interesting story. And then the touching of the hip. And yeah, I, I go back and forth on to actually even what it, it's it's ultimately s- teaching. Same, yeah. I, I, I've, I lean toward the, 
teaching that uh, God is demonstrating that Jacob and his lineage is like they're they're holding back the will of the will of God, mm. and and Jacob forever walks with a limp. Oh, that'll preach. I I. I I don't know if I would preach it to be honest. Like I want yeah. a character arc. It's tough. Like so, like I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I don't. The origin story. They're holding back the will of God. <laughs> like that. I, always like, like the like yeah. Like wow. the promises of the covenant will never be fully realized through Jacob, because because he's got the limp. He's 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 damaged goods. He's essentially. So marred, right? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's such an interesting wow. story. There's so many of those though in, in scripture where I'm just like yeah. What do we do? What am I? What am I supposed to do with this? You know, people will say, <laughs> years and years and years ago, um, <clears throat> when I was working here as a worship leader, um, the Tim, who was a the pastor here, decided, you know, let's we're going to get some uh, professional um, coaching for the staff, and uh, so it was myself and a, a guy named uh, Roland that was the associate pastor here, and Tim. And so there are three of us. And so uh, Roland and I were the only ones that got the coaching. <laughs> but the others had decided they need coaching. And so I was like, okay, you know, I, I didn't know much about professional coaching. But the guy who was coaching us uh, kept telling me, because we do these long calls, and he'd be like, you remind me of Jacob. He's like, he's like, you just you, you wrestle with God. I can tell you're really wrestling with God right now. And I was like, oh, man, that's... <laughs> It's like, I mean, he's being paid to say that. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I guess, I guess I can see that though. Right. Yeah. I could probably take God. Yeah. You know, I seem like I wrestle with God or whatever. So I'm sitting down with Roland like a week and a half, two weeks into this thing. And I was like, homeboy keeps saying I'm like Jacob, like every session he goes, he's telling me I'm like Jacob. (laughs) And I sat there and Roland and I couldn't have been different. Like we both couldn't have been Jacob. And so I remember I went to Tim and he's like, how's the uh, counseling going? And I was like, he keeps telling Roland and I were both Jacob. <laughs> and so we had, I don't know, like four You're not more. supposed to share answers. Right. And Tim's just like, we paid like four grand for this. Like this is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they didn't think Breaks we would talk. the same script for both of yeah. them. Right. So I wound up asking the guy, because I can't let anything go. I'm like, why, why is Roland Jacob? And he was like, what, what? <laughs> and I was like, why is Roland Jacob and I'm Jacob? I'm like, we are so different. Gotcha. He's like, well, you know, I'm wrestles with God in, in a different way. Uh, and I'm like, all right. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, I want to let you guys know that we're starting coaching in yeah. January. Sweet. Yeah. Um, everybody but you. Yeah. Everybody but me. Um, <laughs> So get your get your wrestling singlets ready. <laughs> you're about to you're about to wrestle with God. I'm sure he's got the workout gear here somewhere. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh man, it was something else. It was yeah. Anyways, uh, well, these were great questions. I think this was a, a solid way to end the year. Uh, I do want to just say thank you uh, to all of our listeners and viewers uh, for participating. Thank you to our sponsor. Grateful <laughs> and legend. That's good to add 10% yeah, to your order. Yeah. <laughs> Just right. Words will fly on the screen now. <laughs> right. Make your order uh, more expensive. Right. Uh, thank you to the uh, makers of uh, Theophany. <laughs> Parker Brothers. Parker Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Theophany. <laughs> and uh, thank you to the uh, women's cologne, Womanoa. Womanoa. <laughs> 
for no, but seriously, thank you to to everyone for um, just participating. We know that uh, near the you know uh, I would say last half of the year um, we weren't as consistent in podcast uh, you know week in and week out, and um, it's been you know uh, just a joy and honor to be able to do it whenever we can. Again, we've had some illness and stuff, and we're hoping to get back on more of a regular schedule. But at the same time, like I don't feel. Uh, you know, this pressure to podcast every week. Sometimes, you know, obviously we all have things going on, but also sometimes we need a break <laughs> from it as well, depending on certain seasons, like Christmas gets a little busy, Easter gets a little busy. Um, and then first of the year can get pretty busy as well because we're kind of resetting and everything. Um, but thank you so much to everyone who has participated in some fashion. I encourage you to keep those questions uh, coming in, uh, questions about anything, uh, whether, um, you know, it's uh, unpacking a particular text or something that you're seeing in culture or even just our, our, our views on uh, something in particular that's happening in the world. Uh, thank you, Chad, uh, thank for you. this year. Thank you, Mark, for this year. Uh, we certainly look forward to uh, continuing this in the next year as well. Um, unless our board games take off. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> unless that's it. Are you guys staying, everybody staying in town for Christmas? Yeah. No, we go to Indiana. Do you? My, okay. My in-law's house. Yeah. Nice. So that'll be fun. What is the, do you guys have a, a traditional Christmas dish and or Christmas tradition? Uh, her mom do? makes a bunch of Christmas cookies. So yeah. I just got the text, hey, what's your favorite ones? So that she could limit because she goes a little crazy. Does she? Yeah. And these past few years, she's been like, you know what? I send way too many cookies with people. <laughs> so yeah. she's trying to figure out our favorites so that we stick to those ones. Uh, might I ask what those favorites are for you? Oh, yeah. The orange drop cookies with fresh orange zest. Oh, yeah. And okay. then uh, she makes like peanut butter and chocolate bars, almost mm. like brownies. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, I guess, a cross between like a cookie and a brownie. I like them. Cr crownie? Crownie, if you will. Yeah. Crownie. They're delicious. Bookie. A brookie. <laughs> brookie. Is oh, yeah. That's, right. <laughs> that's what uh, that one place I'm sitting has. here making up names and it's already been named. <laughs> yeah, I have a bookie. Everything's yeah. already been named. Yeah. <laughs> On it. Mark, do I you mean, guys have a, a tradition? Or were you keeping going? Did I just cut you off? I'm I was going to say, I need to get rid of my bookie speaking of the last <laughs> okay. sermon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the fantasy football thing. I got a few uh, old Neil's emails lit up <laughs> a little bit this week. <laughs> so that's all right. Oh, um, no. fantasy you, football. Well, emails I, were lit up. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I said, you know, How dare you. some of you guys are getting upset about a game. And yeah. you have no skin in the game. And some of you are like, I've got skin in the game. I got my fantasy football. And I'm like, I'm glad you said that. Stop <laughs> wasting your money <laughs> and grow up. And not that you can't do those things again. But And, and again, I was talking in extremes. And, and I kept saying, you know, over and over again, that, you know, it's okay to do these things. Your kids can be in sports. You can watch football games. It just can't. It just can't dictate your life. You know, if you're shirking yeah. responsibilities, if you're spending more time in the basement playing you know, Halo, is that a thing still? Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. But to, even it. to the effect, if you're if you're not if you're not spending any time in the word, right. then any halo is wrong. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like it's not at the yeah, it's at the sake of it's a command it, yeah. scripture. So yeah. uh, anyways, people, you know. Uh, didn't care for that. But what do you guys got? Uh traditions tradition wise, do you guys do anything? I don't know. It's becoming a tradition. I smoke brisket. Really? I don't know, I don't know if it's my favorite, but Cause it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's just a lot of yeah. I got it's cold. Get out. a baby said, Yeah, last year was pretty cold. I really like to do it because I like having it. I like being able to you know provide it for the family and all that. But it's it's becoming a, a thing like it's now expected. Yeah, is it? 
would it be bad to smoke it in the garage? You have a detached garage and just put it like close to the door. How much smoke is coming out of the thing? Would it? Oh no, I like I'd have it wouldn't like the garage isn't heated. It would be just cold. But just as cold in there, okay. And yeah. and I'd have to walk to the garage to stoke the yeah. coals anyway. So, so it's the worst it suggestion be, you've ever gotten. That's actually would make it worse. Yeah. yeah okay. That would be. Yeah. All right. That's. Well, I'm that's right. Yeah, I was just trying to help. Mm-hmm. Might as well preach. Merry Christmas, Neil. <laughs> yeah, that and <laughs> finding a church, you know, that has a Christmas Eve service. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. yeah right. Just find somewhere to go that night, yeah. That's right. You might want to take your resume. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even making it to the coaching. <laughs> That's right. I'm cutting you from the team. <laughs> Actually, Chad's going to be Chad, doing the coaching. Chad's the coach. <laughs> his coach's Bible. It just yeah. makes sense. That's what the mustache is all about. It's only four grand a pop. <laughs> yeah. Danny wants some brookies. <laughs> Funded somehow. So, what do you? What would you smoke the brisket with? Uh, what do you mean? Like what would? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> what, what would you smoke the brisket with? Oh, what do you mean by wood? Do you oh, mean wood? I thought you said, oh. what would you smoke oh, the brisket no, 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 with? No, oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, not everything's Hebrew. Wood just means wood. <laughs> uh, do you know what December means? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, no, I'm just kidding. I just learned that about December. It means the 10th month. Well, thanks for bringing it here. Yeah, <laughs> it I, thought, I thought someone else out there might find that interesting. Yeah. That, what would? November. Um, what would, yeah. Mesquite. I have a bunch of mesquite right now. So yeah. I'll use that. Is it like a chip? Like little chunks. Little chunks. I use okay. chunks. Okay. I have a charcoal smoker and then you just put chunks over top of the charcoal. Yeah. You have mm. my old smoker, don't you? Mm-hmm. That I never used. Have you used it at all? Yeah. You used it? it, but did it work? I'm not gonna do it in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> what did it work? Was it decent? Oh yeah, it's nice. Is it good? Yeah. yeah. I would never I didn't smoke anything. Yeah. I never would have. That thing holds 46 sausages. Right That's up. what we know. <laughs> Feeds 56 people. <laughs> uh, I love volume. Yeah. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to everyone and to all. <laughs> A good night. If you would like to submit questions to the podcast, uh, you can email podcast at hopechristianchurch.com or you can text your question to 440-HOPE-222. Thank you all, and we will see you next year. See you. Good night.